Greetings. You're listening to the 43rd episode of the ABF Journal podcast. I'm Phil Neifer, Managing Editor of ABF Journal. We have a returning guest this week as Biz2Credit CEO Rohit Arora stopped by roughly a year since his first appearance to give us an overview of small business lending demand and approval rates from the last year, including a look at the data from Biz2Credit's most recent small business lending index. Let's get to the call. Hi, Rohit. How have you been since we last spoke last June? Yeah, so it's been a very interesting year. Uh, you know, it's a, it's it's being a ro- roller coaster of a year, but uh, interesting in in so many different ways. You know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is pretty interesting: is uh, small business financing and lending. Yeah. And I'm interested in how you think that the demand for such financing has changed in the last 12 months. And obviously, the pandemic has been a big catalyst for. For, for the fluctuations in it, but what specifically has occurred in the last year that might have changed things, as you mentioned, to create kind of this roller coaster? Yeah, so I think what has really changed is that, you know, the huge government intervention, which has come in small business space, uh, both in terms of PPP programs, EIDL, as well as now other specific programs like restaurant restoration fund and uh, the shuttered venue fund. So, Obviously, you know, uh, close to a trillion dollar has been pumped in uh, for access to credit for small businesses over last one year, uh, which has been, which is an unprecedented step, uh, uh, you know, because never before in a recession, so many money, so much money has been pumped to small businesses. Having said that, the extent of uh, damage and the extent of impact that small businesses had during the COVID crisis has is also unprecedented. Uh, with all the a lot of these businesses shutting down a lot of cities and states totally shutting down and uh, the kind of supply chain and retail location disruptions that we have seen over last one year is just mind-boggling you know yeah absolutely and how do you expect now that we're at least somewhat coming out of out of the pandemic to some degree i mean it's still ongoing but we're still we're starting to see some of it uh ease up a bit how do you expect uh kind of demand to change uh, over the rest of this year? So we, uh, so where we are sitting, we are seeing two or three things. You know, obviously we have been very active player in the PPP play and uh, uh, out there. So uh, we see two or three distinct trends of one, obviously the small business suffered immensely. Small businesses got recapitalized a lot by the government money. And as the economy starts coming back, it's still coming back, you know, it still hasn't really got the full steam but as it comes back you know we foresee there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand and uh, hopefully we don't see a third wave of covid uh, which is a distinct possibility still because as the economies reopen across the world we have seen uh, that you know there there has been spike in covid cases uh, but let's assume if it doesn't happen much then we will see a lot of pent-up demand coming back and a lot of uh, need for even more credit because as businesses start rebuilding themselves, as businesses start, you know, uh, getting back on their feet and uh, they're also hungry to, uh, you know, grow their businesses back. So, so it will be an interesting time. And I think the other big uh, impact is going to be even in September, the unemployment, the enhanced unemployment benefits run out because small businesses are uh, suffering a impact of, uh, rise in prices, rise in wages, uh, non-availability of workers right now. So I think that, in my view, that will continue through the summer. 
and uh, hopefully if we don't uh, because fall will be interesting because you see all these government programs ending uh, fall is fall so typically an uptick in the flu season uh, because because we we still cannot discount the impact of covid i think we cannot just totally say that it's in the past uh, but having said that i think with all the pent up demand and all the things that people are planning especially summer will set the tone and fall and fall will really decide the outcome in my view you know right and then um you guys uh it's uh please do credit um with, when you put out your small business lending index you look at a different uh a bunch of different types of capital providers um, including big banks yes, small banks yes etc et um have there been um certain uh categories that have been more attractive to uh small businesses looking for lending during the COVID-19 pandemic and do you think that's going to change or there'll be shifts um off of that um as at, at least as, as the economy opens back up I agree with you that we can't just say that COVID is in the past yet yeah yeah so I, I would say during the recession you know initial part of the recession everything got log jammed totally for first month or two after that you know it started picking back up again Obviously, banks got very busy with government mandated programs, so they were less focused on non-government uh, or non-PPP kind of lending. Uh, I think sometime in last year, after August September, you know, things started picking up on the on the non-PPP side and, and traditional SBA lending and traditional lending, and then you know again PPP came in, so people again got you know busy with that. So that's why I think. Uh, Banks obviously uh, have like, you know, compared to the pre-COVID levels, they are down quite a bit. I would say there's a lot of money again is starting to come back and and we'll, and I foresee a faster uptake in that is in the institutional money, you know, so because they are searching for yield, uh, they are very hungry for, you know, getting any any return on their, on their money. You know, uh, interest rates are still historically low. They seem to be that they will remain low for quite some time. Inflation is starting to creep up quite significantly. Uh, so the uh, so so the real returns are in negative right now uh, in most of the asset classes. So uh, in my view, that will uh, you know lead to even more uh, pumping in and of the money uh, by institutional investors or non-bank you know folks into this space now. And the other big thing which has happened during COVID, which has been a huge game changer, has been the uh, behavior of the customers. So small business owners who were starting to go digital uh, prior to COVID, they were adopting digital channels more and more. You know, that switch has been almost close to 100% now. Uh, that's, that's a huge shift. I would say what would have happened in the next five to seven years is actually has already happened. Uh, in terms of the post-COVID world, you know, what role banks and their branch networks will play. Because in my view, digital was one of a good strategy or a good channel for a lot of the lenders, and it has become the only channel. So everything else has to now, you know, uh, has to support digital. So that, in my view, is a, is a game changer, uh, you know, for the overall industry. And we'll see some very big impact of that over next few years time so the digital uh, players uh, like us you know uh, i foresee you know getting uh, better and bigger uh, you know more market share and people who are lagging in their digital offerings or who have a big branch network and they cannot you know transition themselves 
at a rapid pace they will start you know getting uh, less and less of uh, the customer base looking towards them anymore Right. And are there any other long-term effects you're expecting to come out of uh, the past year when it comes to small business lender preferences? So I would say the small businesses are also, uh, I think they are, as they get more and more digital. So for them, you know, a lot of them used to decide about their relationship based on, you know, how close is the branch? What was the brand kind of stuff? I think that's changing. Now they're looking more online. They're looking more like, you know, who has a better digital offering, who has a better website, you know, who can give them better response on things, uh, you know. So I think that's a huge change that we are starting to see. Uh, so as I said, you know, earlier that, you know, that whole, you know, bleed in of digital and physical has accelerated so quickly. And, you know, the whole, you know, okay, I know this brand and I know this, you know, physical location or I know, that I've been doing business with this particular bank for a long time, you know, uh, uh, you know, the power of that has diminished quite a bit because if you even see in the PVP data, a lot of non-banks have actually done more business than banks, you know, this time. So, mm, so a lot of these small business owners have actually now got exposed to these non-bank brands and that's not going away anytime soon. In my view, that's going to accelerate even further. So while I would say big banks will still have an advantage, they have big brands, they have big branch networks, they are investing a lot in digital. Uh, a lot of mid-sized bank and smaller banks will uh, uh, will have trouble. And I think we'll see a lot of consolidation also in the banking space. That also means that, you know, we'll have a, uh, you know, smaller branch networks now coming in. And also that will lead to, you know, more, you know, differentiation now happening based on your digital offering than on your physical offerings. Right. And then I'm, we've kind of talked about the demand for small business lending. Then on the other side of the equation, how have, you know, you guys have been tracking loan approval rates throughout the last year. How have those fluctuated and have lenders been more flexible, less flexible as, as the pandemic has gone on? So I think the demand is an interesting question because the demand was actually obviously slow or less during the initial part of the crisis because everything was shut down. And then as the government money came in, you know, everybody wanted that money. And now, you know, now I think what's going to happen is that if everything goes according to the plan, the only thing that's going to, that can throw a spade in the plan is if, if there's a third wave of COVID. Otherwise, what's going to happen is that there's a lot of pent-up demand among, among consumers. There's a lot of, uh, you know, things that people had put on hold, which people need to come back and do stuff. And over next, you know, six months, I see, a very strong demand coming back uh, for small businesses, uh, you know, and uh, and they need uh, to get ready for that. They need to have the ability to get stuff, you know, really started for themselves, you know, restart the stuff. And obviously, you know, they have to just tackle something which is, you know, they haven't done in the past is, you know, besides COVID is the, I foresee a much higher inflation, you know, a much higher sustained inflation. And that will help them and that will also hurt them. So it will help them to raise prices uh, to a certain extent for their goods and services, but where it will hurt them is with the wages, salaries, and some of the other things that they also consume like gas gas prices and all that. So I think it will be, it's, a, it's an interesting time, you know, in that sense where, uh, you know, uh, all this spending that had to happen over last year, year and a half hasn't happened. So while, 
it's a very interesting time while while governments are running huge deficits consumers are running huge surpluses right now so which is which is rare in a recession you know typically consumers are in a lot of debt during a recession because they lose their jobs and the income goes down this has been a very atypical recession in that sense with the with the level of fiscal and monetary stimulus especially fiscal stimulus you know so that i think is something very 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 interesting with this level of consumer surplus that has got built up in the economy that that means that you know small businesses will see a tremendous amount of demand coming back they will also see a lot of shortages of goods and services that means inflationary pressure is going to be there but that also means that they will need lot more credit to just you know uh, uh, ensure that this this kind of demand gets fulfilled Right, and you mentioned already a few times the Paycheck Protection Program, and I know that that has come and gone now. It's uh, it closed at the end of May, um, or at least the most recent round of it did. Um, what were your overall impressions of how the program was rolled out and how it performed? So I think the program was a was a was a well-meaning program. Obviously, like any other massive program, uh, you know, done in a rush. You know, there were. some drawbacks but overall i would say the program was was a good program it was better than some of the other programs in the past or you know uh, and also i would say it was a better program than eidl because it actually targeted more of payroll and also with a whole forgiveness built in i think uh, that's a better way because with the eidl it, you know it's still a debt so uh, the good thing with this kind of a program is that then you don't create a lot of extra debt for the businesses because you know give or give or take their businesses have been pretty slow during the crisis so the businesses haven't made much money or they have lost actually a lot of money so if you if you load them with a lot of uh, debt even if it is a low cost debt and that has to be paid over time then it actually slows down the rebound in the economy so i think what pbp is going to do is that as the pent up demand comes up and as all these uh, you know different things are happening you know it's actually going to help it has actually helped small businesses to businesses to reduce their debt overall it has also helped them to you know get ready to take advantage of this pent up demand and now they can actually uh, you know in my view they have become more credit worthy uh, to go and borrow money in the market to meet the demand because the way the program was designed was to get them through the worst crisis they had ever seen without a need to take more debt and when the growth comes back and you take that debt then it's much easier to service that debt uh, from the growth itself so i think in that sense this was a good program and and a pretty innovative program because something like this has never been tried before actually yeah absolutely and now kind of the next stage is uh, the for, the loan forgiveness um uh, process how seamless or or difficult do you think that process is going to be and what as from your perspective what potential challenges will be there to gaining that loan forgiveness so i think loan forgiveness is a, is a very important piece of ppp people are starting to do it i think the process is the government has tried to make it as simple as possible for at least loans of 450000 dollars uh, and obviously uh, government is expecting people to document everything really well you know which is a, which is a very fair expectation and they and i think most of the business owners uh, you know if they follow the instructions you know well and i think now the good thing is that 
a lot of that stuff happens digitally now and not like you know manually anymore uh, because the whole PPP program has been run digitally more or less. So I think in that sense it will be a much easier process for them. And uh, you know, un unless unlike you know in the past where they had to go to a branch and get a lot, a lot of paperwork done sitting in a branch. So in my view, uh, for loans below 150, it's going to be a pretty smooth process. For loans above 150, it's going to be a, a more complex process because obviously that's how it has been designed. But I think for people who have got more than $150,000, they are still bigger businesses. They have accountants. They have professional help that they can get to get this done. You know, actually. Now that the PPP has closed, um, are you ex what are you expecting that to do to the small business uh, lending community? Um, are you expecting that it would be a flood of demand now, or how do you think things will shift? I think I think in my view, demand will start coming back over the next three to six months. Uh, it will actually it should be a very strong uh, holiday season this year. Again, with the caveat of COVID not coming back, uh, so then it will be a very strong uh, holiday season because people totally missed out last year. Uh, so that's going to happen in my view. Um, you know the level of fiscal stimulus that has been uh, provided in US and developed economies is like massive, you know, uh, just just massive. Like last time in 2008, the overall fiscal stimulus was less than a trillion dollar. And this time it's already like six trillion. So, uh, so, so what that means is that in an idle world, it should see a very sharp rebound in the demand. And also this time the recession was different. It, it didn't happen because of excesses in the economy. It happened more because of a, you know, virus. So it was more of a, you know, supply shock than a demand shock, which is which is important to differentiate. Uh, so I would say we will see a much sharper rebound in the economy. We will see a lot of demand for business services and goods. And I foresee that over the next three to six months, there's going to be a lot of need for, uh, you know, credit for small businesses. Right. And then uh, I wanted to talk about another study that BizDo Credit did. Uh, you released in March the uh, your annual women-owned business study. Um, yes. And the survey revealed that earnings for women-owned businesses rose in 2020, but that loan approvals for those businesses lagged behind. Yeah. What were some of the other key findings of the survey, and how do you think this gender gap can be addressed to improve access to funding for women-owned businesses? Yeah. So I think I think that's a very good question because we have found over the years that women-owned businesses have uh, you know, they are smaller than men-owned businesses. Their loan approval rates are are less. And what we saw this year or last year's data, which was expected, was that you know, uh, you know, uh, that uh, that you know that gap is still there. Uh, but I think what now is happening is that you know, and I think PPP addressed that issue to a certain extent of because the government was very focused this time on. Know, increasing the access to credit for underserved businesses they were also very focused on getting you know uh, you know the businesses which were like sole props more money so what what we are also seeing from ppp data initial data is that more women owned businesses and minority owned businesses have got access to credit uh, you know in certain cases almost like for the first time in their in in the, in their life cycle uh, so I foresee that as the world becomes more uh, digital and as the world becomes more, uh, you know, less relationship, like physical relationship driven and more like, you know, uh, doing things online, you know, I foresee that women-owned businesses will do better. 
now and uh, compared to earlier. And I think a lot of advantages that incumbent businesses had, especially if they had a great retail location or they had all this, you know, like longevity and they were in a neighborhood for like 30, 40 years and build a big client base. You know, as things move online and digital, I think that is going to be more of a level playing field now. Um, so business to credit, you guys released um, your most recent small business lending index uh, earlier this week when we're recording, um, which included May data. Uh, what were some of the primary takeaways you took from, from the uh, report? So I think uh, the key is that we are starting to see like this was, you know, now uh, I would say a interesting uh, time because the PVP is ending. And, and so we are starting to see, as I said, you know, uh, appetite coming back starting to come back step by step. We see non-bank lenders getting even more active in the market. We see, you know, small banks uh, are still, you know, figuring it out what what they will do after PPP. I think they'll focus more on SBA lending than anything else. So in my view, uh, it was an interesting, you know, almost like not the halfway, halfway will be June, but, you know, as these large and big government programs are ending, you know, this is just showing which in which way the markets are gonna go, and uh, so as I said, you know, non-bank uh, access to credit in this space is gonna, in my view, gonna get even much uh, broader as uh, we see more uh, bigger adoption of online by small businesses themselves. That's a level playing ground for a lot of these players, and also I foresee that you know as uh, the economy starts coming back, uh, you know, and if the interest rates still continue to be as low as they are, it will just lead to, uh, you know, more product availability coming from non-bank lenders for small businesses. Great. Well, Rohit, thank you so much for joining us again um, and uh, sharing all your insights on, on all this. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Rohit for joining the show, and thank you for listening. If you haven't had a chance to take a look at our second quarter issue, make sure to head over to magazine.abfjournal.com to catch up. This issue focused on the many role players in the asset-based lending world and includes our updated and expanded turnaround management directory. We're also underway on building the next issue, which will bring back our second annual listing of the most innovative companies in the specialty finance ecosystem. This year, we're going to be accepting nominations from across the industry, meaning lenders, service providers, referral sources, and more will be included. To nominate a company, go to abfjournal.com innovate. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening to the ABF Journal podcast. We'll talk again soon.